When it comes to maximizing time in the uplands, without fail, Onyx Hunt is my most valuable tool. From planning my next hunt through a new bird cover to navigating in the field, Onyx Hunt is truly with me wherever I go. With detailed mapping and satellite imagery, along with a multitude of map layers from land access to forestry and habitat information and easy-to-use tools to mark, measure, and catalog important information, Onyx Hunt seamlessly integrates digital scouting with boots-on-the-ground time in the field. With offline mapping and Apple CarPlay integration, you are free to explore the wild landscapes our beloved upland birds inhabit. Planning your next move in the uplands begins with knowing where you stand, and for me, that starts and stops with Onyx Hunt. Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription. When the miles rack up faster than your flush count, that's when you'll truly appreciate your hunting vest from Final Rise. Built for the uplands and proudly sewn in the USA, the complete lineup of hunting vests from Final Rise, from their all-new Summit XT down to the minimalist Sidekick system, are all built upon the foundational load-bearing waist belt and low-profile shoulder strap system, which allow you to carry all the gear you need and do so comfortably while maintaining your ability to move freely and perform when you need to most. With a complete lineup of accessories and newly released performance field apparel, Final Rise has the gear you need to help you get the most out of every mile and every flush. Final Rise gear is built for the uplands. Get yours today at FinalRise.com. This episode of the Bird Shot Podcast is presented by Onyx Hunt, Final Rise, and Upland Gun Company. On this episode of the show, we're back for part two of our conversation with Matt Davis of Final Rise. Thanks for tuning in to episode number 214. Welcome back once again to another episode of the Bird Shot Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We've got part two of our conversation with Matt Davis coming up here, talking plenty more Final Rise on today's episode. A quick thank you to Patreon patrons of the Bird Shot Podcast, those of you out there making voluntary contributions in support of the show and all our future episodes. We appreciate that. And a reminder, Patreon patrons are eligible for monthly giveaways, which this month happens to include a turkey vest setup from Final Rise. Got a few more days to get signed up at patreon.com forward slash birdshot if you're interested everybody in before the end of march will be eligible for that final rise turkey vest which we talk about on today's show patrons are also eligible for bonus content some discounts from time to time and we set everybody up with some birdshot podcast can coolers and stickers as a little thank you as well one more reminder for the onyx elite subscription card if you listened last week or not i'll explain it here we gave away an onyx elite subscription card to a patreon winner for last month that winner graciously donated that onyx elite card to a youth hunter within the birdshot podcast network if you will so i've just put out a request for people to email me nick at birdshotpodcast.com give me a quick sentence or two telling me who the youth hunter is we said 18 years of age or younger and we'll toss everybody in a hat and draw for that winner in a week or so i did get plenty of entries last week so if you know a youth hunter out there that 
does not have Onyx Hunt and you think could benefit from using it to fuel that fire and encourage them to get outdoors, you're more than welcome to enter the drawing on their behalf. Just send me an email and thanks again to our Patreon supporter, Jerome, for making that happen. And as of the time of this recording, I still see on the Final Rise website the limited edition Pheasant Fest Final Rise Onyx Hunt 40X hats. I've gone over this a number of times. This is a fundraiser in support of Pheasants Forever and Quill Forever for wildlife habitat in Minnesota. There were some press releases and some announcements within the last week or so from Onyx that the initiative has already raised something like $2 million, and that is in the power of the multiplier, which Matt and I talked about on last week's episode. Pheasants Forever and Quill Forever are able to leverage donated dollars 40 times, making every dollar of donation worth up to $40 impact on the ground for upland bird habitat. Pretty cool initiative, already wildly successful, and I mentioned it here last week. Matt's goal was to sell a 1,000 hats. He is well on his way to doing so. They've got to be getting close now. So if you would consider helping get Final Rise and Onyx Hunt across the finish line for a good cause in support of a great organization, Pheasants Forever and Quill Forever, check out those Pheasant Fest exclusive hats at finalrise.com. All right, let's do it. We got part two of my conversation with Matt Davis this week. We dive deeper into some of the new products that Final Rise has launched in 2023, including some updates to the turkey vest, a new pair of pants, and some other apparel items. And towards the end of the show, we do get into listener Q&A a bit and rattle off a few of those as well. So we'll pick up right where we left off last week and jump back into our conversation and onto the Birdshot podcast with Matt Davis of Final Rise. that's cool so that is summit xt and i myself i have a have a better understanding of the differences there between the two anything else vest related before we maybe talk turkey vests a little bit yeah i, I was i was gonna mention the mossy oak on the, on the turkey <laughs> all I right think, i think you... <laughs> let's go that way heck yeah well shoot i guess yeah i guess we kind of spilled the beans but we uh did a limited run uh, both the OG Mossy Oak and the new Mossy Oak on our turkey vests. And dude, they are, they are so, so sharp. I'm so stoked on them. Yes. The, the photos I have seen, uh, definitely look cool so much so that I had to, uh, I had to reserve one of those for myself. So <laughs> I'm eager to see it in person. <laughs> oh, dude, they, they turned out cool. And it, it you know, it, it, it took some shopping to do, man, but um, we actually found the, it's the original mill where Mossy Oak was having their fabric made. So this is the original mill. Now a lot of it, a lot of a lot of most Mossy Oak fabric is manufactured and sourced overseas. Yeah. These guys are making a full blown berry compliant 500 denier Cordura. Right. And that's the, the thing is you had to fabric. find the Cordura Mossy Oak. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> right. Yeah, it wasn't just a standard run of the mill nylon fabric. <laughs> off of it. This is like legit fabric, and it is. It looks so good. It is. It. I'm. I'm very very pleased i'll probably you know do do more business with this mill in the future even on their on their ranger and their browns because they it's it's a very very nice fabric that's cool are those so they're i know they're on the website what's the status are they shipping or what's the deal with those they're limited run um are they even are they sold out what's the deal 
Yeah, no. So we are. We just we just pushed through our our first, uh, I guess, run of them. Essentially, my my wife actually just texted me. You probably heard my computer like thirty seconds ago, but like a, whoop, a text I did going out. <laughs> <laughs> that was she was she was asking uh, just a question on one of those, and so we did our first push of those, and initially it was going to be you know very limited run. I I just wasn't quite sure on what the response would right. be to that. Mossy Oak is just a, a religion <laughs> yep. to a lot of people and they just absolutely blew up. So I did order more fabric oh, and cool. we will probably be offering those right up until Turkey season and then, you know, kind of switch gear from, from there. So shipping out the first batch of those this week, yours is in there, Nick. So you'll, you'll be able to see it here in oh, person here. Lovely. Then, hopefully by this weekend. And, uh, yeah, I was just super stoked on that. And and we made a really cool upgrade to the turkey seat this year as well. Mm-hmm. Put, put a lot of, of thought and effort into just kind of trying to think through that process, you know, how our turkey seat worked in, in the past. It, it attaches with a set of your jacket lashes. So if you already own jacket lashes, you could pick up a turkey seat and essentially retrofit a legacy or a, a sidekick, or excuse me, well, you could run with a sidekick actually. Um, any vest (laughs) and and put a turkey seat on it and be able to get some more value and mileage uh out of out of your product you know a lot of a lot of upland hunters are turkey hunters as well right you find a good vest that checks multiple boxes and it's kind of like well why the heck not yes so we came up with some quick quick disconnect straps so it was easier to fold the seat up um and created multiple attachment points on there to really fine-tune I guess every person's different, right? And how they want that seat to perform, if they want the seat to be deployed while they're walking, but be in a position to where they can just, you know, sit down and it's going to just catch them right there. Or if they just want to walk with it bouncing on the back of their legs, that's totally an option as well. Um, Just tried to, I I guess, kind of increase that, that foundation that lets people set things up how they want to do it, right? Instead of the square peg and a round hole, one size fits most approach that you see so often on a lot of these cookie cutter products, you know, try to set this up to where guys can plug and play and really set it up to work for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the, so the change, the, the one that I noticed for sure was the, the buckles where you can, you can activate the Turkey seat, um, kind of mm-hmm. easier with those with those side clips, and then you still have the jacket yep. lashes up top. Like I watched the video on it, where if you've got a bird in there, you can really secure it and make sure make sure you're carrying it. And I uh, I did not have one of those vests last year, and the listeners will know I'm just kind of dipping my toe in turkey hunting, and it's it's a ton of fun, and I can't wait to use the turkey vest, the final rise turkey vest this spring because. The first turkey vest I bought, you know, I just kind of dipped my toe in the water, got the bare essentials and had a vest that it's a fine vest, but it's just one of those classic ones that's, you know, it's over the shoulders and there's a, there's a seat in the back and, um, it did the job, but I am so eager to get all that weight back <laughs> off my shoulders and down onto that waist belt. Once you, once you kind of go down that route, nothing compares, you know, it reminds me of my first bird hunting vest where just, you know, the classic cotton canvas over the shoulder and you're loaded yep. up with shells and birds and, uh, it's all fun. But once you, once you use a vest with a good waist belt, it's, it's tough to beat that one. <laughs> yeah, there, I, I'm, I mean, I'll do that vest with the seat just as it comes, like, it's right at like three pounds. Oof, yeah, that's and nice. So it's, yeah, it's just 
Yeah. Not not to mention the, I will say, you know, the other thing about my other turkey vest is the sort of the classic design. It, you got just got more going on over your shoulders and around your body. It's not as breathable. Um, so there's just something about having just a nice uh, set of shoulder straps, and then you can kind of layer your gear underneath that, get it where you want it. So those are all benefits as well. What are the, what are the other differences? I know you can go on final rise and get a Turkey conversion kit. If you're one of those guys that doesn't have an orange vest and you have a Ranger green or, um, khaki or something, you could throw a Turkey conversion kit on there, which basically comes with a seat, two different, uh, front pockets, which are not as deep. Talk me through a couple of those little Turkey specific accessories. Yeah. So, I mean, we kind of have a full gambit of stuff, right. And really leveraging, you know, again, the, the Molly system of the waist belt, you've got kind of infinite solutions, right? Like if I think to my personal kit, you know, we're hunting Miriams. I would definitely think they're probably considered the the dumber and more callable um, of the of the three species or four species that most people enjoy hunting. Um, so, you know, uh, a box call, a slate collar too, and, you know, a couple of different strikers, depending on what I'm going on, maybe, and a couple of mouth calls. Like I don't need a lot right yep. and with a lot of those traditional vests it's like it's just going to come with the pockets right so whether a lot you're, of pockets whether carrying <laughs> four thermocells and five strikers and whatever <laughs> you know and, and don't don't get me wrong i've hunted with plenty of guys and i i i understand why they want to have those for and sure hunting certain species i can i can see where yeah one day one particular call may do the trick I, I mean, I, I hunt California here in Utah, um, usually Montana, Washington, and in the Dakotas. And I, I'm usually okay with a handful of calls myself, but I can understand people's reasoning for that. But for me, I'm a less is more kind of guy. And so the vessel just come outfitted with those uh, shallow shell pouches, perfect for pot calls, you know, throwing in uh, a neck gaiter or like a face mask, gloves. Um, obviously the, the summit game bag is the exact same universally across all those systems. So you've got three zippered pouches in there, which is more than enough for carrying your water, your first aid, um, food, anything like that. And then from there, you kind of got this blank canvas where you can, you know, set a lot of stuff up. We've got uh, a mouth call pouch you can put on your shoulder harness. So it's, you know, readily accessible, put it on the offside of your gun. We've got box call pouches. We've got striker pouches. I mean, really, there's there's uh, there, there's quite the quite the gambit of things. And I even liked our, our little shell holder that we launched this past year. It's such a simple little product. Yeah. But I mean, I'm I'm gonna put. You know, I, I think about like where am I putting my shells? You know, if I'm shooting a an over under a side by side or whatever. Like most of the time, I'm only gonna have a couple of shells on me. It's not like I'm going mm-hmm. yep. turkey hunting with with a box of shells in my pocket. And so just having a couple of TSS just right on my waist belt, right? If I do need to reload, you know, things go south and you got to make something happen. Um, something like that just makes it super nice to be able to, to throw on there and have those accessible. So again, it's, it's kind of leaning into our less is more approach and kind of giving you that Blake canvas leveraging that Molly um, adjustment to where you can just plug and play, put stuff where you want it, how you want it. And your way can be your way. It doesn't have to just be, whatever you pulled out of the box. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. 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 And that's, uh, I, I will say that I always sort of had a, a vision in my mind of those Turkey vests having lots of pockets, which I, 
the one that I have, you know, I thought it was kind of cool. You know, it's like just being new to it. Like you, I kind of, I bought a little bit of everything. So it was, everything seemed to seem to have a place, but now I'm kind of like, again, with, with version two, which will be my final rise vest. I've kind of got it dialed into where, and, and let me be clear, I've, I've got plenty to learn about turkey hunting, but I've had, had some success and a little bit on my own last year, which was, which was a big confidence booster. So I now know kind of the essentials that I need to carry. And I think I'll be, uh, I'll be carrying them well this year. So that's cool. Heck yeah, man. I, I think you're going to be, you're going to be super stoked on it. So I'm, I'm excited to get it over to you. The other neat thing that you, that you pointed out in the video too, was, um, which this, it, it rang a bell for me because it, it was the difference between my two vests were um, highlighted by this was that a lot of vests use an open cell foam for the seat, which is um, it tends to be thicker and it looks like sort of squishier, but you have a thinner closed cell foam seat, which is, you know, again, less is more thinner, more low profile, but still giving you that same support between your bottom and the ground. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's, I can't remember the, the name of the, there's a scientific term for like basically the compression test um, okay. of, of foam or things in general, but like, yeah, an, an, an open cell, like seat cushion, right? Like if I was to grab that with my bare hands and squeeze it, most of the time I can touch my fingers together. Like I can Correct. feel my finger on the other side of it. Right. So while it has that initial loft bulk and weight, when it's actually being used for its intended design, it's, you know, it's still comfortable, but it's not really accomplishing, I guess, what, what I feel like the full potential of a product could specifically be. And so using, we use what's called an Eva foam, which is like a pre-compressed foam. It has, it's not like the same as like those gardening things that like you know, lean on when you're gardening. It's, a, sure. it's different than, that, but it's a fraction of the weight mm. and it's already pre-compressed. Like I, it's comfortable because it has cushion on it, obviously, but like, you go to like try to like just squeeze that to like touch your fingers from one end to the other good freaking luck dude like it, it is <laughs> it's some, some dense stuff and so it's really cool i mean again it comes down to components and premium components right and not just i mean if i can make it better i'm gonna make it better right and i feel like you know some of those vests they, they do get big they're bulky um the seats are huge and it they don't have to be yeah. right and so I, I dove down that rabbit hole on foam and got this dialed in. And I mean, I've, we've had turkey vests out for three, three years now. We've been running these as turkey systems. And I've sat on everything from cactus to tree roots and rocks and whatever. And <laughs> my butt stays dry and it stays comfortable. And it's, it's, I've, I've been, I've been great hunting it as is. And the weight savings are really nice too. Yeah. Cool. I was going to ask about, uh, you kind of alluded to it there with your being dry. Is there, is the seat waterproof or is it just the, it just being that you're not touching all the way through to the ground? What's the story there if the ground's wet? So, I mean, I'm not going to say it's waterproof yeah. because I mean, there is some slight breathe to it. The fabric itself, that, that is thousand and near fabric. Um, the seats just come encased in that, um, very compliant fabrics are sealed. So there is like a ceiling. It's the same reason we have to use grommets in our game bag and our shell pouch. Yes. Like, I recall that. that it, I mean, it could turn into a swimming pool back there if it didn't. That's how, you know, I guess water resistance, the word I'm going to use there. But if you were to plug those ground holes and fill it full of water, by golly, it's it's going to hold it. So if it can hold it in, it can hold it out, I guess is my opinion. Sure. So you've got that layer of fabric, then you got the foam, and then you got another layer of fabric. Right. So 
I'm not going to say that the fabric and underside of it aren't going to get wet. You know, obviously compression and pushing against that moisture um, can open up the weave of the fabric and expose that um, a little bit. But unless you're sitting in a flat out puddle of, of water, you're going to stay dry. Yeah. Yeah. Good enough. All right. Before we leave Turkey stuff to kind of round out the, the new product section, I will just slot this in because we're, we've been talking for a while now and the timing of this is, is, uh, leading me down this, but are you hand loading your Turkey loads with TSS? And if so, talk me, you know, we don't have to go into all the details, but I'm, I'm just kind of curious, shot size and that sort of thing, payload. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and this is, it's, yes, I, I am. And it's funny because TSS and the introduction of TSS is initially what transformed or made me look at lead shot differently, coming back to the nickel plated eights and mm-hmm. stuff like that. As I was, as I was initially when TSS first hit the, I mean, I guess it's been out for a long time, but like mass manufactured and made by, you know, actual companies beyond your hand loaders and yep, stuff like yep. that. I remember reading in one of the NWTF, you know, magazines or whatever about this, tss and they were shooting these turkeys with like nine shot and i'm like what in the freaking world like that (laughs) makes no sense like i'm so confused you know and so i started diving into it i'm like okay like obviously it doesn't have the velocity because you know these shells are shooting you know a thousand eleven hundred feet per second or whatever but that definitely opened my mind to the possibility of you know what i've now gotten into on on my uh on my upland hunting loads but we're bringing it back to the TSS man for the past three years, I've shot a 28 gauge, um, just that little frunk, that one that I, uh, Frankenstein into an English yes. stock that you yeah. you referred to earlier. <laughs> I, uh, go, I think I've shot seven or eight birds with that okay. gun. I, I was shooting the apex, um, ninja that were eight and a half. So I shot that primarily. I mean, it, it was just an awesome load. Um, performed incredibly well just out of factory chokes i didn't even have you know turkey chokes on yeah. my gun just a factory mod and a full and i i loved in an over under that i had the ability to shoot my more open barrel or my further barrel depending on what i feel like that's just a giant advantage yeah, that's cool uh, the turkey hunting with an over under versus having a fixed choke and you know, you see all these pattern tests on YouTube and guys are wanting, you know, 400 hits in a 10 inch circle at 40 yards. And it's like, that's, that's cool at 40 yards. But man, if that bird's what if he's 10 of your barrel at, yeah. at 10 feet, it's like, dude, your, your pattern's the size of your pointer finger. Yep. Like yep. there's, there's definitely give and takes there. And so I've uh, definitely leveraged that. Now I do have some, I do have a couple guns that I'm, I'm tinkering with that are, you know, fixed, uh, fixed chokes or whatever, but Anyways, I for for me out of my twenty eights and I'm 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 rolling some for the four ten as well. I shot two birds with the four ten last year, just one of those little Stevens three oh ones. Nine, nine and a half shot is kind of like my preferred again back to pattern density. Yep. And I'm shooting birds at, you know, the ranges that I want to shoot them at. I'm shooting them at, you know, within forty yards and in. Yep. And it doesn't take a lot of pellets to kill a bird. So back to your point of being you know economical and you're reloading i just don't see the point of shooting two ounces of tss that's 60 bucks a pound i just i don't see the point in launching that much at a bird when if he's in 40 yards and i only need 10 pellets to kill him well if i've got you know 30 40 percent hit in that 10 inch circle at 40 yards he's dead yeah you know and so i I'm, I'm not big on overkill. I mean, it's, 
I definitely want him dead and ethical and don't want to move him, but it's, you know, kind of the same thing shooting a 12 gauge at, no, no, there's nothing wrong with 12 gauge. I'm not saying that, but right. I've seen some birds just get absolutely annihilated to where they're not even edible. Right. Because it's like, they just got the full pattern and it's like, well, that's not why I shoot birds personally. I'm, I, I enjoy eating them as much as anything. So how do I make them, you know, more consumable and not that you're eating the head of a turkey, but right. You know, I, I, I just, enough is, is enough. You can't get more dead than dead. So as long as I'm lethal, um, right. Yeah, like I said, I've shot birds, you know, 40 yards and in, and it's been lights out across the board shooting, shooting nines and nines and a half. So, yeah, that's cool. There's, there's a lot of factors there and I've, I've started to, to research this and the, the last two years I have, I would say I've made the, the birds that I bagged were 40 yard shots, give or take with, I was shooting 20 gauge at the time, uh, TSS nine shot. And Mm -hmm. that was an, I did. I looked at this right before we hit record because I was just thought it was interesting. The um, an ounce and a half out of a three inch twenty gauge shell, which of nine shot, which is uh, based on a basic chart I just looked up, five hundred forty three pellets. And this year, yeah, yeah and and it, 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 that's crazy. Yeah, the pellet counts are are nuts when you start looking at you know ounces of lead shot and and that sort of thing. And that's and that's why. I mean, I think most people are kind of following along but this tss is so dense and so heavy you can get a lot of energy out of a small pellet size so it goes back to a conversation that we have on here a lot about and matt mentioned it the pattern density increasing the pellet count you if you get more hits that multiplies the energy that you're delivering even though it might be a smaller energy per pellet but um there's 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 a lot of stuff going on there but the, I hope to shoot 28 gauge this year. It will depend on if my new 28 gauge arrives in time. We'll see. But there's, uh, I've got some nine and a half shot 28 gauge. It's a two and three quarter round, an ounce and three eighths. So it's an eighth less of shot. But at nine and a half shot, I've got 610 pellets. So again, going down, down in shot Jeez. size a little bit, but increasing the pellet count. Um, I would, will definitely have to do some patterning to use that but if nothing else i know i I can fall back on my 20 gauge nine shot and i've had real good success with that so it's fun stuff it it is it's fun it's fun to nerd out on it it's fun to do some pattern testing and stuff and i've got you know a a handful of these different loads the guy that i get my tss from um you know we'll send you some load data and so i'm i'm i just i just like that stuff it's fun fun to tinker it just adds another step to the process and uh, i don't know it just kind of brings it more full circle for me it's not so much about i I like shooting birds but i i enjoy the process just as much as i do pulling the trigger so yeah yeah and that's that's not uncommon i think anybody that's been following along listening to you talk about your vest it will come as no surprise to them (laughs) (laughs) um all right so let's kind of round this out we talked vests i think we captured everything there turkey vest mossy oak stuff all very cool but perhaps maybe even more exciting and interesting to folks apparel you had sort of dipped your toe in you've had the gloves on the markets for a couple of years and i know you were working on pants and more leading up to this year and and that came to fruition at pheasant fest you had the demos on display i got to see the pants and the new hoodies up close and personal very cool stuff but i will let you take it away and tell us all the all the details no, shoot, man. No, I, initial initial impressions and just response has just been absolutely incredible. I mean, we had an 
awesome, awesome amount of people just checking them out and getting orders in um, at Pheasant Fest. And that's kind of continued through this sale. And again, back to our MO as a business, you know, American made, that is, you know, the core of what we do. And I'll, I'll tell you what, it is, it is not the easy route. Um, it is not the copy and paste, send overseas, have somebody whip something up and bring it to life. I mean, this has been since the inception of Final Rise. I mean, I have photos and videos of me wearing prototypes, you know, two years ago of pants. And it's just been <laughs> quite, quite the process to get it dialed in and to see it come to fruition, Nick, is just it's so cool and it's and it's fun to see people continuing to rally um you know behind the american made rally behind the finalized feather and just just get excited about what we're about and what we're trying to do and uh anyways the uh to, to not bore on that part of the story and kind of maybe dive into some of the features so our, our pant this is this is the uh, the first pant that we're coming out with and i say first pant because this is all tip of the spear. Yeah. Um, there's if if there's anything I like to do, I like to be specialized um, as, as much as we can in what we're doing within reason. Um, yeah. Yeah. Within within reason, right? And so um, this initial pant really really feels, you know, the, the majority of most upland hunters needs. And I'm not going to say that it is it is the do all pant for guys that are just walking straight through crazy thorns and different things like that. Um, it's an incredibly robust and durable fabric. And maybe people are thinking, well, then why, why would I even buy a pant that can do, can't do that? Well, nylon fabrics, um, there's a lot of really good upland pants out there. And I absolutely tip my hat to all of them. The fabrics that they use, the cuts, the innovations, a lot, there's a lot of people doing a lot of really good stuff. One of the unique things, again, not only is our, our stuff American made, it's, American woven fabrics. Um, mm. We are the only Upland company that is using 100% trimmings, fabrics, etc. Nothing on any of our stuff is being imported. Um, so that does limit us at certain capacities on, you know, fabric offerings and different things like that. Uh, but this particular fabric was actually developed by a very, very prestigious mountaineering and outdoor brand and i won't mention who who it is specifically um but it's really only been on the market for about a decade now and there's only a handful of of companies that have necessarily used it um and that's simply because it wasn't available to the mass market per se um and fortunately through connections and, and working with a good friend of mine ethan rosenberg out of california um who just eat breeds and sleeps this stuff he was aware of it and Ethan has kind of been my conduit and my partner to bring this stuff to life, which has been a giant lifesaver and really expedited the process. But cool. anyways, it's a, it's a four way stretch nylon. It, it's implementing a lot of features from a lot of the, the pants that I've used and worn over my hunting career, both from the big game space to the upland space, uh, you know, really working on the cut, the inseam, the functionality of the best. And again, thinking through, you know, how does this, how do these pair of pants actually work when you have a strap vest on, right? Yeah. It's like li little things like that to like, it, you know, we, we kind of try to preach the system, right? How does this work systematically? How do you make sure that the use of one piece of gear 
doesn't impede function or usefulness of another piece of gear. And so really trying to balance all that, it's easier said than done. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You're trying to, you're trying to, you know, it's pros and cons of this and you try to balance that out. Um, so I'll kind of just maybe just start at the top of the pant and kind of work my way down to the feature. You know, if you go to our website and check this out while you're listening, uh, finalrise.com, it's just called the all-terrain pant under the technical ca- uh, clothing category there. First thing on top is we've got obviously, um, you know, a belt loop, but we have a very unique belt closure. Mm-hmm. Um, we do not use a button or a center snap that sits directly above the zipper. Um, it is it is held together by an integrated uh, G-hook belt that's set up on a, a webbing system. And so what we've what we've been able to accomplish through doing that is, you know, a 32 pant in one brand is not always a 32 32 inseam or excuse me waist or whatever right. in another brand. And sometimes you know you may pick up a pair of pants and if the buttons don't quit fit just right, it can put uncomfortable pressure on it. It can make you know distort the zipper so the top of your zipper is always popped open and it looks weird. And so. You know, we were really trying to figure out a solution to how do how do we how do we make sure that there's um, you know it's aesthetically pleasing just to look at, but make sure that we're accommodating layering as well, right? If we're if we're calling this our all-terrain pant, and we're making a pant that potentially people can layer underneath or tuck shirts into or sweaters or whatever, depending on what they're doing during whichever time of the year or season that they're in, how do we accommodate that and make sure that they're able to get the usefulness out of that product? So eliminating that center snap and going to that G hook, we didn't compromise any of the security, the way that that pant um, sits and functions. If anything, it's much more comfortable. Obviously, it's a four-way stretch fabric. So, you know, your waistline, it's not rigid. It's not going to be cutting into you. And then you have that built-in and belt. So you can, you know, cinch it down. If it's early season, you're not wearing base layers underneath it. Or you can let it out if you are going to later. So that's kind of the, the design principle behind that. The other reason specifically for building in a an adjustable waist belt is when you, you wear a strap vest, you obviously have a, a waist belt. Yep. And you've got probably an inch and three quarter or two inch plastic buckle that's going to sit right at, you know, right below your belly button or somewhere near um, where your pant line is, where you may be wearing another pair of, uh, of you know, a belt or whatnot. Yep. And compounding those buckles on top of each other doesn't make a make a ton of sense to me right it can it can pinch your stomach it can be uncomfortable it can make the vest kind of sk- sit ski wampus so by building in a waist belt into this um into this pant now i have something that's super super low profile i can cinch the pant up so i'm not having to worry about wearing a normal belt and then when i put my waist belt over the top of that i'm not getting any hot spots right i don't have a thick piece of leather between me and the waist belt like it's just cleaning that up and it's just it's honestly a lot more comfortable than just traditionally wearing you know a normal belt or whatnot and some people are still going to do that and you can wear a belt over the top right we have you know belt belt loops on it for that particular reason um but it's 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 an incredibly comfortable waistline and you just want to make sure or we wanted to make sure that we had enough flexibility in there for people to, again, fine tune how that pants going to fit for them, how it's going to sit on them and for it to be comfortable and really meet the, 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 their needs as, you know, from early September in Montana to, you know, late November pushing, you know, 
pheasant habitat and different things like that where you might need to layer up or whatnot. That was really the goal and objective there. Yeah, that's really cool. The I will say that that belt and the waistline of the all-terrain pants caught my attention because um, and it wasn't until this year, I think I had, I suffered from some buckle to buckle interference on my, on my <laughs> pants. I had, a have been wearing the first light Sawbuck brush pants and I, I had, uh, I bought a, a groove life belt earlier this year. Maybe people yeah, yeah. may know what that is. Pretty cool belt. It's got like a little magnetic closure and really cool belt to wear with your jeans easy on off. But the first thing I noticed right when I started hunting this year is the way that thing disconnects when I was cinching down my final rise vest, it would sometimes, um, they would be on top of each other and it would disconnect my groove life belt. And so naturally the solution was just, oh, I'll just take the belt off. I wasn't sure how that would work out, but it, the Sawbuck pants that I had just had a, seemed to have a good fit. So they were not sagging down on me. So that worked well. And the thing I noticed was I probably never would have paid attention to it otherwise, but and I know this is a small detail, but the comfort level really increased of having just the yep. pants underneath the my vest without having a belt on. And it was it was such that I noticed it and I noticed that there was a significant difference in how everything felt. And that was early in the season and hunted the rest of the season like that. So when Ethan was showing me that at Pheasant Fest, it kind of had a light bulb go off my head. I was like, oh, that's a really smart feature now. <laughs> just in case the pants don't sit perfectly on your waist, you can sort of fine tune that but I would encourage everybody to try uh, taking that belt off underneath the bird vest. It does increase the comfort a little bit. It, it, it sure does, man. And like a, a lot of that, honestly, a lot of that experience came from big game hunting as well. Like, you know, you have an elk or a deer on your back and you know it. Right. And you're, tr- you're trying to cinch up your waist belt and get that off your shoulders as much as you can. And I mean, you think it's uncomfortable with the strap vest. I mean, try having a bunch of weight pushing down on your hips. And I mean, there's times I'd be bruised yeah. around my pants from even just wearing like a thin nylon belt. Yeah, that makes sense. And, uh, and anyway, so that was a really good learning there. And it just made so much sense to bring that concept. You know, I've, I've hunted in, you know, prana, which is kind of a, more of like a yoga yuppie type. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying negative context, <laughs> but just that's more of what kind of their brand MO is awesome pants. I'm heck I'm wearing a pair of them right now. Um, <laughs> and they had a particular style that had a built in, a built in belt buckle. And I'm like, dude, that just makes so much sense that yeah. I can wear my, wear my packs essentially, whether that's big game hunting or upland hunting and cinch my pants down. So they're nice and comfortable. You know, everybody has different preferences on how their pants fit. Some guys want them loose. Some guys want them tight. Right. And, you know, trying to factor in all those variables of like, you know, if you weren't wearing a pair of Starbucks, which are awesome pants, it's like, well, what were you going to do? Right. It's like, well, okay, I guess I'm going to have to wear my belt and continually, right. You know, mag connect the magnet back together throughout the day. And so anyways, you, you try to, you try to think through all that stuff and make, make sure your gear is as accommodating as possible. But when, but when we can kind of build that system from, you know, the skin out, um, on a person with our, with our products, we try to think through those little things that make a big difference. Yeah. And I think maybe you kind of connected the dots for me there. Maybe it might be something that it doesn't 
register for a lot of folks because if you haven't worn a vest like the final rise with the waist belt that you can really cinch down you maybe haven't experienced this where if you've got one of those older traditional vests i was mentioning you just don't have that waist belt that you're that you're cinching down over the top of your pants and or belt underneath but if you have the final rise vest and or you've worn something like that you'll probably be nodding your head you'll know exactly what matt's saying so interesting there yep yep Gearing up for your next hunt? Check out Ugly Dog Hunting Company for all your dog supply needs. Ugly Dog Hunting carries a full line of products for your bird dog and even some for you. Whether you're looking for dog collars, GPS tracking devices, kennels, beds, leads, training equipment, or first aid supplies, Ugly Dog Hunting carries it and a whole lot more. New owner of the company and friend of the Bird Shop podcast, Mike Nadusky, loves to remind me that while I do hunt with pretty dogs, every dog can be an ugly dog. Check out the entire selection of gear for you and your bird dog at UglyDogHunting.com. For many upland hunters, along with their passion for dogs, birds, and the places we chase them, comes a passion for shotguns. Upland Gun Company specializes in customizing shotguns for the upland bird hunter imported from Italy and shipped direct to an FFL near you. Select from one of their side-by-side or over-under shotgun platforms and customize the fit, function, and aesthetics to your liking. Design and build your next upland hunting shotgun with Upland Gun Company today. Visit uplandguncompany.com. So, yeah, the, that's that's been awesome. Um, pockets, uh, side pockets, it's it's a deep slash pocket. Okay. Easier to get your hands into, you know, drop a cell phone in there. It's also with that deeper cut, you can still access, um, you know, I, I usually like would put my hand behind my shell pouch on my vest to get in there. A little, little bit easier to access. And then it's got the... Uh, basically that knife uh, pocket knife reinforcement on the side there. So if you want to wear a pocket knife, you, you can do that as well. Um, and then jumping down, um, we do have uh, basically thigh zippers or the, the outside, whatever you want to call those. Um, oh, I'm having a freaking brain fart like, right like now. The cargo pockets. The, well, just the, the zipper, there's a actual, like a zipper ventilation or vents or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Your hip vents. That's, that's the more common, common used uh, terminology there. So we have a, a dual direction zipper. We've got a zipper on the top, a zipper on the bottom. So you can really kind of regulate where you want, mm. um, where you want to ventilate that. You can have zippers meet in the middle if you want to, um, there's and and the zipper placement is actually really really important on these pants providing ventilation right like if you think through your natural body movement and where you're actually articulating um it's more so around your knees and well real really right at your knee right your, your sure. thigh isn't bending out and so having that that the bottom of that vent being as close to the side of your knee as possible but not being on it was super important because if that zipper's open as i'm walking the fabric is naturally kind of opening up and kind of pocketing and that allows that ventilation to actually occur. So, you know, we played with, you know, all sorts of zipper lengths. There's, you know, lots of different designs and options out there um, in the big game market specifically on those hip vents. Um, but really just kind of, this was really the fine tuning spot to where we felt we got the most, most ventilation. It does have a mesh liner on the inside. So if you have those open, you're not going to be getting debris or anything like that falling into your pants, seeds, and whatnot, whatever. Um, and it just makes a big difference, you know, for those early, early September days. It's a light enough fabric, but I mean, I, I still get hot in September just hunting in, in right. normal wear. You yeah. know what I mean? So 
having that option to dump some of that heat. And then you think late season, you know, you might layer up, you know, you're at the truck and it's cold. You got some long johns on or whatever. You get walking, you heat up, right? So now being able to even, most people don't think of that, but being able to regulate your temperature later in the season is honestly more important than earlier in Mm -hmm. the season because you got to be able to maintain that core temperature so you can actually dump a lot of that heat out. You know, you get walking, you got long johns on, you're super warm. You can still open those up in the wintertime and be able to dump heat that way too. Yeah. Yeah. It can be a bit more extreme when you go from just starting out where it may be an uncomfortably cold temperature and you're stationary to the point where then you're, you're active, and then you've got to get rid of that heat. It's a little different than just hopping out of the truck in a t-shirt in September. You know, you're comfortable and you're going to get warm. But at that point, you're already, you know, dressed as light as you can. So that's a good point. <laughs> yep. Yep, absolutely. So we've got those, we've got those hip, hip vents there. And then we have those front thigh pockets there. Yep. And the, the reason for those pockets, you know, trying to trying to think through, you know, hunting application and, and a lot of different things. And, you know, Eve, I think I think you brought it up or Garrett did, Nick. You're like, oh, well, what about us guys that are in the grouse know, woods, the brush? Yeah. Like what's what's going to happen there? And that's something that we absolutely thought through. And so if you if you're looking at the website and you look at the depth of the lid and the way that that sits, yes, there's something there. But it is as non-impactful and low-profile as if there wasn't anything there. Um, but if you do want to be able to use that, like, for example, when I do have my, my vest on, yes, I can get into my normal pockets, but they're not as accessible as the front of my legs. Mm-hmm. And so having a spot to be able to, you know, throw a thin pair of gloves or a neck gaiter or a beanie or I, I usually put my cell phone in there if I'm being honest. That's, sure. that's a more common for me to carry my cell phone and then it's easily accessible you know if i want to take a picture of my dog or, or do whatever then it's not you know sitting in my sitting in my shell pouch you know you, you talk about putting your all your stuff in one pocket next to each other if i put my cell phone my my um compass my transmitter all right there on top of each other you know there's a chance maybe blue bar and happen so yeah. creating some distance there isn't a bad thing at all and you know, thinking to early season, like training and stuff like that, man, if you want to drop, you know, you're just, you know, throwing birds for your dog, but you have, you know, a a training sling on, or you got some live birds sitting on your hips. Like it's a great place to be able to just put your transmitter or put different odds or ends or things that you might need to access during whatever activities and trying to think beyond the hunting application, but just the upland, the upland and dog man lifestyle in general is how can this cater and be, as useful in every application as possible to the people that just absolutely eat, breathe and sleep this lifestyle. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I will say, you know, generally I'm, I am a fan of sort of more, not, not more pockets to the, just to have more pockets, but for organization right. and compartmentalizing things are good. Garrett and I have talked about that many times. You know, we do, we don't often think of sort of cargo pockets on the front side of our grouse hunting grouse woods pants. But the one thing I will say, which was you and Ethan pointed out right away was they're, they're essentially flat. You know, there's, there's nothing to them unless you, the situation warranted um, that you didn't mind carrying something in there and then you've got them and you got access to it. So it's, it's well-designed in my opinion. No, I, I appreciate that. I mean, really, it's like really the center of the pockets, the only accessible spot. I mean, the seams are, are sewn both ends on both sides. So it's not like that lid can just open up. Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. To that point, there's a little bit of a gusset in there. So if you are putting in, 
you know, you are dropping a transmitter in there, or you are putting gloves or whatever, there's enough give in that exterior layer of fabric that it's not creating pressure and making the pants tighter on your leg as well. So mm-hmm. just tried to think through all those different things. And uh, man, I'm just super stoked to get these out there. I think it's uh, the initial response has been super positive and confident they'll be uh, be a popular item for us. Yeah. Two other things that I recall Ethan pointing out was the inseam and how you guys are handling that with the double hem. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that um, I think it's just the front, but you clarify that it is in fact, it's a double layer of fabric. Um, It's very lightweight pant and light feeling pant, but it was, I was surprised to hear that it was a double layer on front and please just because that's where you're taking the brush and abrasion. Yep. Yep. That's absolutely right. So basically from the top of that thigh pocket, you can just see that seam kind of come across just right below the, crotch if you will and uh yeah that there's double layers of fabric there and then also on the back side basically from the uh the back of the kneecap yeah down we've got that there and then to, I, I appreciate you pointing those out because those are super important i just get <laughs> i i there's so much to them sometimes oh, yeah. i forget on the inseam um they'll come standard as a 32 but it's a double hem and so there's a single stitch that's holding that together and you can Basically, whether you wanted to take a pocket knife or whatever, you can actually pick that stitch out and it's going to let out an additional two inches. Um, being a tall guy myself and God, I remember talking to you, Nick, and even even Garrett, you know, there's just so many tall guys that just there aren't pants specifically for them. Yep. And you know, being able to have that ability to let that out. And if I'm being 100 percent transparent, our 32 is like probably a hair longer. OK, Um and so I always recommend guys getting them and trying them on. The nice thing with, you know, if you need to shorten them up, that's easy. easy. Any, you you yep. always you can always remove fabric, but adding fabric's the tricky part there. So yep. um, having that double hem and the ability to let that out is is really nice. Just like changing the length of pull on the on the shotgun, you can always take wood away, but you can't add it back. It's got to be a right. That's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love it. So does that, that pretty much cover the pants? I do want to touch on those, those sun hoodies and then we'll kind of wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, I guess the, they, they are DWR treated. Oh, so yeah, yeah. direct water repellency um, yeah. or durable repellent is actually the, the terminology there. So, you know, if you're pushing, you know, morning dew, snow, direct water comp- contact, that's going to beat off and uh, you know, just roll right off your right off your layer there. So um yeah, just tried to think through all the different aspects and qualities there. So that was an, that was an important one as I looked through my my bullet points on the yeah. on the web. Let me right let me ask you real quick, knowing the sort of the testing and all the stuff you've thought about when it comes to this stuff. When we're talking DWR, it seems like most of the really good gear has some of that now, and it's boy, is that effective? You know, just beating off water. Um, you can shed a lot of moisture without having a quote unquote you know, rain shell or waterproof pant, whatever. How do you treat that stuff? Do you, do you, do you use that camp dry spray and do that every six months or once a year? Like what, what do you, what's the maintenance with DWR stuff these days? Yeah. So there's actually different in, in, in any of this manufacturing and fabrics and treatments, there's, there's different like tiers essentially within that. Okay. And so on our DWR, we, we opted for the highest tier, which is like their highest grade coating essentially. And they're basically this company that's doing that for us specifically says it's good for a thousand washes. Oh, wow. Okay. And 
and before you'll really start seeing any negative impact there. Not that there's going to be any negative impact. I, I just speak specifically to, you know, stuff not beating up and, and uh, rolling off there. But the nice thing, and you brought it up, Nick, like, you know, there, there's a give and take. When someone says waterproof, waterproof also means it doesn't breathe. Mm-hmm. You know, a non-permeable fabric, it, it, it can't let, it's not letting moisture in, but it's by golly, it's not going to let it out either. You know what I mean? Yep. It's kind of like, it's, it's a sealed window there. And so there's, there's a good balance of that. It's, you know, and so having, having that DWR treatment, you know, initially out the gate off the floor, brand new out of the package, like these pants are just, you know, you try to think of how many times do you wash your hunting pants during the season? Never. It's probably only a couple of times. <laughs> right. You know, um, you go, even you go on a road trip, you're probably not stopping by the launder. You're probably going to wear your pants, you know, two or three times and yep. just change your underwear to be a good roommate. So you don't stink. <laughs> But, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to last for a very long time. And then the fact, the fact of the matter that you can actually treat it yourself after that, right? There's, there's a handful of different options out there. Um, the stuff you kind of mentioned, I would say is probably better for like tents and different stuff sure, like that. There right. are specific like performance fabric treatments and I'm forgetting them off the top of my head, but, uh, a quick and easy Google search and yeah. you, you can find them that's, uh, you know, you can spray that back onto the fabric and you're good for another long while. So it's nice to be able to get more mileage out of that where, again, a, a, a waterproof or non-permeable fabric, once it goes, it goes. There's yeah. no repairing, nothing you can do. Um, and so with this, you've got, you know, the breathability of it being a lighter weight fabric initially. It's got the DWR treatment. And so kind of just really a happy medium across the boards that we think, you know, meets the needs of a lot of different hunting styles. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. And uh, I'll throw in the last couple of things. Uh, two colors. It's like a khaki color and a and a green color available. Yep. And are they are they pre order at this point? Not shipping yet. What's the status? Yep. So they are pre order right now. So one of the things we wanted to do. Obviously, we are a small business, and I would be lying if I didn't say this is a giant financial undertaking. Sure. One that makes you you pucker a little bit anytime <laughs> you're bringing stuff this to market, and so. One of the things we wanted to leverage is we're running a pre-sale on all of that right now. And we're actually going to continue to run that probably for the rest of the month. So even if you did miss out on the best sell, uh, we are going to continue to run our pre-sale on our technical gear probably through the rest of the month here. Cool. And what that's going to allow us to do, guys, is we're actually going to get hard sizing data yeah. that we're then able to take. And on this initial PO production um, that's going to land in June timeframe, um, we're going to actually, you know, it's going to be product in product out there's definitely not the chance of potentially sitting on excess inventory and tying up you know cash within our little business as well so that was just the most optimal way to go about it we'll obviously forecast uh, beyond that and add you know certain percentages of you know popular sizes on there so we're not just bringing in what's ordered anyway so we're just collecting that sizing data during this pre-sale and that's kind of the incentive there is Hey, help us help us get our sizing right so that we're being, um, you know, as cost efficient with this undertaking as possible. And we'll get all those orders in through the end of the month. We'll get that initial PO in, and we'll start landing stuff here. I guess I can't say landing; that makes it sounds like we're shipping it on containers across <laughs> the ocean. But we'll start getting stuff out of our factory and uh, shipping out in, in June timeframe. So plenty plenty of time before hunting season. Okay. Right on, and then the uh, the last one is the is the Sonora Sun hoodie. If you got a couple more minutes for us, buddy. Oh yeah, absolutely. I feel I feel bad for you guys. I'm the one that rambles. People are like this, dude. 
<laughs> Attention to detail. They get it on the Birdshot podcast. Listeners are they're used to that. So yeah, well, that that's that's good. That's good. But uh, yeah, the, the Sonora Sun hoodie. You know, this is again. This is probably predominantly more of a of a, a western uh, open open country type. Where I mean, we'll get away with this in our grouse woods. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's it's a four way stretch, a nylon fabric. It's a UPF 50 plus rating, so great, great sun protection. Um, we're doing uh, anti order or odor, wow, odor treatment on there. <laughs> Again, think thinking about you know your roommates when you're on those those yep. long long road trips and you're not stopping in to wash your clothes for a period of time, being able to not be super stinky is positive. Um, and then also a, an anti insect. Uh, repellent, uh, so kind of similar to what you see with permethrin. So ticks, um, mosquitoes, other insects like that, you know, a lot of that early season stuff, being able to keep kind of those guys at bay. So even if you're wearing them during the summer, you're training dogs, you know, ticks are always uh, a yep. concern at some capacity. Um, is it permethrin or is it something else? Do you know? Well, I'm assuming it, no. it's, some, it's, it's slightly, permethrin is a brand specifically of Okay. Of that, of that. Um, but you know, fundamentally it's essentially the exact same thing, but there are all sorts of legal things. You got to dance around with this. I feel like I've, I'm potentially going to lose my life if I say something wrong. So, <laughs> okay. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah, that is a, that is a, it, I feel like it was, I mean, that stuff has just been hitting the market. You're starting to see the insect shield and all that stuff in, in other products. And yeah. um, ticks are ticks are a big topic, one that I actually want to talk a little bit more about on the podcast at some point. But nice to see some of that stuff baked into the fabric. Something I don't know if there's anything to this, but something about it sort of being um, impregnated in the fabric, as, as I've heard people say or read about these garments, like just seems yep. better than maybe spraying the stuff on. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if there's anything to that, but, um, I like the addition. There is. Yep. No, there, 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 there definitely is. And I, I won't speak in, in, in great depth to it by okay. any capacity, but I mean, it's like, it, it's a legit, like we actually have to, after, after everything's cut and sewn and basically ready to go, we actually have to send it to another facility like it is a very very regulated thing like yeah uh, like things in california i mean there's all sorts of things we have to sure. kind of navigate i was tempted not even selling them in there because they make it so freaking hard sometimes no no <laughs> offense to anyone that lives in california but golly they they make it tough to do cool stuff sometimes <laughs> <laughs> yeah great layer though i've definitely uh been incorporating layers like that into into my you know for warmer weather and um, when i go out west just really really nice to have something like that with all that stretch lightweight kind of kind of moves with you and really really good layer and again i got to see that in person at pheasant fest so very cool heck yeah brother uh, i'll keep that one short that, that that's that in a nutshell it's, yeah it's it's an awesome garment and we're super stoked on it as well all right, buddy. Before we wrap this thing up, what do you say we fire off some listener Q and A? Yeah, let's knock them out, man. If they're if they're asking, let's answer. <laughs> All right. Question number one: How much can you bench and or squat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, back. You know, I haven't done uh, a lot of one rep maxes <laughs> recently, but back back in the heyday, I could I could bench three forty and I could back squat four hundred. So. That's more than me. <laughs> yeah, well, dude, I, that would break me now. I'm about 20 pounds lighter. I, I used to be able to deadlift over 500. I was 
all all about moving heavy weights and then i realized i always kind of hurt so i uh, i got yeah. away from that focus a little bit more on functionality so yeah. there's a, <laughs> there's a balance there right when it comes to mobility and strength and yeah Absolutely, man. A little, give up to be healthy. I'm I'm okay with that. <laughs> well, there are some questions about Final Rise products, so we'll we'll get to those. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, man! Are they going to ask me my social next? <laughs> <laughs> I think we I think we we essentially covered this when we did talk about the Summit XT. But can the older yeah. can the older Summit vest be upgraded to the new one? Um, I know we talked about the pockets. Is there is there anything else that would be potentially be conversion worthy from the old summit to the new summit XT? So the the one feature, and we're getting we're getting questions uh, kind of left and right about this, is that G hook feature, and okay. and can you upgrade the existing summit and legacy vest because it'll it'll come standard now? The the answer is yes, and so um, you know we've we've just been super blessed with with pheasant fast and uh, the recent sell that we did that every component that i brought in is allocated to an order specifically so i have more g hooks on the way and once we have those in surplus i'll have them available on the website so anybody that does want to make that switch and i honestly would recommend doing it um we're just going to basically just cover our cost to get those to you and you can pay shipping and you'll be good to go we'll, we'll send out a an email um, and do a little video on how to do that. It's very straightforward and simple, but I uh, want to make sure that we give everybody the tools to be successful in that in that upgrade. Okay. Uh, next one. This is a cool question. What drives you day in and day out? And then how many employees does Final Rise have? Yeah. First one, what drives me? Um, I, I just, I, I don't know. It's kind of this, it's that question of like, what what am I capable of? And it's it's not necessarily me versus anybody else, but you know, and I'm not very old by any means, but I've been fortunate to work for some great companies and learn some really good things and in, in the business space. And along that way, I've kind of felt like you kind of figure out how to be a good human. And I'm not saying I'm perfect in any capacity. So it's like, hey, how do I, you know, I've seen good business and I've seen bad business. And it's like, how how can I put myself out there in a positive way to make a really good impact? And how far can I take that? How far can I reach? And it, it doesn't come from a a, a, a place of like selfishness. It's just, it's a me versus me type thing. And that kind of sounds cliche because you, I feel like you hear that on all these motivational podcasts and whatnot, but like, seriously, it's, a, I, I just want to know what I'm capable of. I've only got one shot in life. And so I wake up and I hit the ground running and I just want to see what I can get done that day. And I feel like if you just show up every single day and do that, you'd be amazed at the miracles that happen. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I will. I will just say from a from you know knowing you a little bit, obviously from the outside looking in. To me, um, I'm always I'm. It's seemingly amazed at like how you how you get everything done that you you seem to get done. And I'm, I know you've got great people around you and and a team that supports you and and your wife and everything. But uh, you are a driven individual, and you know from a, a very simple way to put it too is just I, I look at the products and and the conversations that we have here on the podcast about your vest and sort of the thought that goes into it. I think it's uh, some of the stuff that makes you tick is pretty obvious, and I appreciate that about you. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that, the, the kind words, man. It's it's funny. You kind of find that calling in life and those things that motivate you, and it, it's pretty easy to chase those. It's easy to be passionate about it and show up. And yeah. when you're doing something that isn't necessarily work, you know, I'm not 
I'm not worried about punching a clock. I'm again, just trying to see how far I can take it. How, how good can I make it and what kind of impact can we have? So it, it, it's fun to, to wake up and challenge yourself every day. Do you find that, that this is kind of like my own question here, but when you are, when you're doing something like this final rise, obviously it's, it's something you're passionate about. You know, we can get into the upland birds and, and all of that stuff that goes along with it. But do you find like when you're kind of in that sweet spot, like, although it would be technically considered work, it kind of gives you energy rather, oh, rather than taking it away from you. Right. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And it's, it's almost, it's almost like a game, like, a game against yourself. Like I get so excited about stuff and I get that, you know, that second wind or that burst of energy because it, it, I mean, and you kind of hit on it, but like, dude, this is, this is what I think about. This is what, like, I'm constantly thinking about how do I make this? How do I make that? Yeah. And there's plenty of times, dude, I'm laying in bed. It's 10 o'clock at night and I have an idea. I go hop in my Jeep and drive to my shop and start sewing. I'm like, Oh, it's like, I gotta, I gotta make this right now. Like that. <laughs> I, I have to use my hands and I have to like live that out in that moment. And it just makes it fun because you're constantly trying to innovate and push that wheel. I mean, I, I feel bad for someone that just, you know, has to copy what somebody else is doing. Right. Where's the fun in that, but right. being able to go out and create and innovate and continually raise that bar. I feel like that's, that's what leads to really impactful things in the long run. Right. And, uh, it, it'll be fun to see what we're capable of and what we can do in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to see that. And I, you know, I asked that question because I've obviously am fortunate to, to do some things with the podcast and with up and gun company that, that involve my passions too. And I've sort of had that realization that, you know, I've had those moments where it's like, yes, I'm technically doing things and don't get me wrong you know, it's still, it's still work and, um, it's not all fun and games, which I know, you know, but, um, yeah. you have so many moments where, you know, you have a conversation with somebody or you're doing things that, that are technically work, but the way you feel afterwards, you feel energized and motivated, kind of like, oh, so that's what they mean when, when they say, follow your passion or, you know, do something you love. Like that's it, you know? Yeah, it, it is, man. It's that, that, that fire is never dwindling. It is just constantly getting stoked and the more you stoke a fire the more air you put on it right the brighter it burns and so it, yeah. it's just funny what happens when you start feeding that yeah no doubt uh there was the question about employees if you're if you're comfortable at answering that yeah yeah so let's see i've got one two three four so full time i have five and then we have um a couple of shops that contract so for us here locally around here I mean, year, uh, I mean, it wasn't even through year one. I mean, it, we were at max capacity here internally. And so fortunately, Utah, there's, there's a lot of great sewing resources. And so we've tapped into that. And so we have, you know, certain parts sewn in certain shops. And it's, it's nice because you can still keep that, that hands-on experience. You can still be in the trenches. I go and I visit these shops weekly. I'm in there with them. You know, everything's ultimately coming back to us, going through our quality checks. And it, it's not at that point where it's like, you know, you, you hope the product's good, right? Like I'm, I'm just such a stickler about making yeah. sure that what's going out our doors is the very thing that we designed and wanted it to be. And so uh, we're just blessed to be so stinking busy, man, that we, we've definitely had to, to tap into some external sources and are, are grateful for them saving our butts and making a lot of this stuff possible. And uh, there's a couple really cool things I'm, I'm working on right now that will uh, hopefully kind of i guess change change the way that that's set up and uh and maybe i'll share more on that in the future i'm, I'm kind yeah, of yeah. a get done and talk about it later kind of guy but uh yeah. some 
stuff in the work that I think will really uh, open some doors for us to do some really great things. Very cool. Very cool. Well, uh, if that's not a small business doing big things, man, five, five full-time employees, that's, uh, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. Well, thank you, man. It's funny. You feel like, you know, I, <laughs> I was just in the shop when you, when, before we were doing this yeah. and, uh, you know, it, it's so funny, these guys, they're, they're so excited. Like, you know, um, you know, one of our employees, his name's Kale and, and he's, he's starting to help out with customer service, which is huge for us. Yeah. I, I've held that for so long because like, I want people to get the right answers and be able to, I, I don't want to just be like some random person answering the phone. Mm-hmm. Like it is an experience and I want to make sure that we've maintained that. And so I've held off on it for so long and anyways, ended up meeting Cal and he's just a freaking stallion, just such a stud <laughs> and passionate bird hunter, nose gear. And he, he, you know, he was, he was in there talking to my wife and he was just like, I just like, I can't believe this is my dream job, you know, and it's so weird for me. I'm just a normal person, right? Like yeah. it's so weird for me to like, be like, holy crap, like you're creating an opportunity for somebody else to live their dream. Right. And to be a part of something that they're proud to be of and be a part of. And so it's, it's kind of weird. Um, yeah. But man, you just, you just, like you said, those are, those are those fire stokers where like, Hey, we're, we're doing something right. Like not only are, our customers are excited, but like the team that we're building around us are just as excited as we are. And I feel like the, at the end of the day, the secret sauce is the people, right? That's the X factor in any successful business is the people. You got to have a good product, but if you have people that eat, breathe and sleep, what your mission is, what your, your ethics are, how you treat people, how you take care of them, man, it's just, it's just the, it's the perfect dynamic setup. So, uh, man, just super great for the people that we do have and look forward to, building it out over the coming years yeah awesome awesome all right next one uh do you plan on making additional shell pouch options available for the sidekick yeah so there's there's actually plenty of guys that will reach out and upgrade um to either like a legacy pocket or a summit okay. shell pocket. we don't have we don't have it listed essentially a la carte on the website and the reason for that is and i i try to make sure that anytime i guess maybe sometimes i'm saying like no or trying to like I'm just trying to inform people on kind of our process. So they see the big picture. So when we're, when we're doing cuts, when we, when we have enough orders in or we're cutting on a weekly basis, we get all those orders. And basically what you do is you cut a plot of fabric. So depending on the size of your plot and by plot, I mean like you have all the individual patterns laid out that it takes to build a complete vest. And so basically every sheet of fabric in that stack is going to turn into a vest. And so when we cut everything, it's, it's cut in a one-to-one ratio, right? And we're, we're blessed to kind of play from behind and we have those lead times, right? Because we're taking orders and we're, we're building and we're, we're blessed to be busy. Like any, anytime you throw a wrench in there and it's like, Hey, I had, you know, this component for this complete vest that there's an order for to be able to pull that part away and then hold up a, a complete vest order. It's kind of this, this weird balancing act that you have to balance. So when people ask proactively and reach out and say, Hey, can I do this? It's like, perfect. I can plan for that in our cuts. And it isn't this giant curveball that now I have everything, but one particular component to place an order. And this dude, you know, wants his best and wants to go hunting. So we always just try to, we always just try to keep, you know, keep, keep the customers front of mind and making sure that we're fulfilling, you know, we, we have our promises to customers. We have our lead times and, uh, 
you know, as we're scheduling, forecasting and building stuff out, we want to make sure that we do that. So that was a very long drawn out way to say that, yes, we can upgrade the pockets. But I felt like that was, you know, contextual to the reason why they aren't listed a la carte on the website. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, and so, and and I guess a takeaway there too would be obviously we're doing some Q and A here, so lots of people can hear it. But if people have those specific questions, they should definitely contact you guys at Final Rise. Yeah, yeah, get get a hold of us. I mean, I shoot, I I would imagine we get asked that a couple times a week. You know, yeah. there's plenty of guys that you know want want a sidekick, and they're like, hey, but I I really want those pockets. Like, perfect, man. If I can plan for it, no brainer. I mean, there are they're all there are cost differences, right? Like a, sure. a, more material, more complexity to the sewing process. Um, but we figure all that out, you know, every single time we go through it. So it's, it's very easy to do. And if somebody has a vest and they just want to order, um, you know, different shell pouches or whatever, and essentially upgrade that for later, like you can reach out to us and we can sell you a pair of shell pouches. That's not a big deal at all. Yeah. All right. Next one being primarily a roughed grouse hunter, and doing a few Western hunts, which system is best? Oh, and I mean, you, you get asked that a lot. And I, right. I always, I, I always kind of ask back to the customer, like, what is your hope and expectation for your gear? Like, mm-hmm. what are the things that you're carrying in the field? Right. Because I know plenty of Western hunters that run our legacy best, right. They're going out on shorter walks or they don't run dogs or they run one dog and like, they kind of just have their, their setup. And then you've got me who's on the the polar opposite end of the spectrum, right? I've got my first aid, I've got food, I've got two bottles for the dogs. I've got a bladder for me. Like, you know, you, you can, you can go from the minimalistic end to the, you know, potentially overloaded um, if you wanted to be, you know, honestly, at the end of the day, I always tell folks, if you're teetering between one or the other, go with the summit. Yeah. From a weight perspective, it is, it is a very minimal difference, but the modularity you can strip it down. I mean, you can take off everything that attaches via Molly webbing, right? So you could take off the water bottle holders. Um, but you know, the, the size of the bags, the same, it's, it's all proportional. You're just getting a little more organization. Uh, you're getting a different shell pouch and uh, a couple other bells and whistles. And then, and then that way, like I always, I mean, bird hunting is a slippery slope, right? Like you start out doing one thing and all of a sudden you want to do everything. Right. <laughs> so like, yeah, yeah, you, you might be dabbling in Western hunting, but the next thing you know, you know, you're going to South Africa to hunt guinea hens. You know what I mean? Like so you, can, you can, it's a slippery slope. And when you've got that bug and you're passionate about it, I'm a buy once cry once kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Like if I, if I know that this is a route that I'm going to go down, I'm willing to spend a little more money up front so that I've got everything I need and that will fulfill my needs for, you know, the coming years or lifetime of, of whatever that product is. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to lean, lean that way as well. I, th- I feel like I-, I get asked about the final rise vest enough too. And I think, um, there's maybe a, you know, it's one of these things where maybe you haven't seen one in person or not, not unlike, uh, sure. what I deal with at, with Upland gun company and our shotguns and stuff. But, um, right. people, they kind of maybe think, you know, they don't want a vest that's like too big or too crazy. And, and I, I would just say like right. the, while it looks like there's a lot going on in the summit, it's, it's pretty simple. You know, it's, it's that waist belt. It's the, it's the shoulder harness. Um, that's the foundation and everything else. There's not all that much going on with it, but it, for what it is, it's, uh, it's incredibly capable. That's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah. But I always try to remind people like, Hey, this, like just a, a picture on the website, you know, there's such thing as forced perspective, right? That's why all these people shoot. Yes. You know, 140 inch deer that look like 180 inch deer right like there i mean like we we try to definitely make sure that our website images are proportionally 
representing, you know, how that best sits. But I just tell people, I'm like, that bag's no wider than you are. Mm-hmm. And that's by design. Like it, it, you know, it's not going to get caught up on stuff. And so hopefully there's peace of mind. You know, once you talk through it with somebody, as I'm sure you've experienced too, Nick, people are like, oh, okay, yeah, good. And then they're comfortable with it. But to your yep. point, it's like, man, I haven't seen it before or it looks this way on the website. So they're asking the question and they're the right questions to ask. So Correct. I never mind when somebody reaches out. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, all right, I think we did cover this, but I'll ask it again just to make sure. Where do you run your Alpha 200 handheld on your vest? So I run mine right I mean, right off the front of my waist belt. And so I actually stitched on a D-ring onto the bottom of my Alpha 200. And then I feed the strap that comes from your waist belt and feeds up into your shoulder harness. I just, I just, I just have it fed through there. So every time I put it on, I have to undo the strap and feed it down on there. But I like it that way because it's laying, it's hanging low and out of the way. Anytime I can put weight on my, on my hips, that's, that's where I want that, you know, essential water weight, yep. shells, all that different stuff. And so same thing with the transmitter, right? I mean, plenty of guys will run them on their shoulder harness. I just, I just, I personally don't like that. I don't want anything on there if I can avoid it. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I hang it there. And that was a question that, you know, was, was able to kind of almost help me answer people a lot about the magnets is a lot of people were asking like, Hey, did the, you know, do these, are these magnets going to mess with my transmitter and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, you know, we, we went through the gauntlet of magnet strength, magnet location. And I guess I'm answering maybe another question that hope maybe someone has asked or hasn't asked, but like, ultimately my transmitter is about as close as it could get to that magnet and i didn't have any problems with it so um that that was that's the best spot for me i can grab it i can flip it up it's it's in the orientation that i want it it's on a very 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 short pendulum so it's not swinging and bouncing and uh yeah it just good for me yep and that's uh i I can visualize that and i i run mine a very similar way too i for the same reasons i like it uh like i like it down there uh, on the waist belt, don't want, really want anything on my on my shoulder straps if I don't have to, and I've I've got the Garmin Carabiner system that I really mm-hmm. like and I've used that, and um, I I run it through one of the D rings on the vest, and then I also hook it around the base of the strap that comes off the the shoulder yoke, and yep. and then I take and and I know I've I've shared this with you, I slip that antenna into one of the Molly straps on my yep. shell pouch. And then the thing, the thing doesn't move. I mean, it just sits there and, and doesn't move. And like you said, one thing I do like is when I do need to grab it, it is you grab it and you pull it up and it's right side up and it's in that, that orientation that you want to look at it. So I like that. Yep. Yep. I'm right there with you, man. All right. Uh, we got one, maybe two more here. Uh, you had, yep. and I think this was last time you, you had at one time mentioned the possibility, future potential of some fishing-related stuff. And I definitely did not forget the very cool sort of segue in the name, Final Rise, and how that applies to fishing and how cool that is. What's the what's the status of uh, any fishing-related items? So all, all that stuff, I, would, I will definitely say we're close. They, again, to providing context to the why that sometimes things don't go or things sure. aren't readily flowing, it's just, it's just capacity. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're blessed to be very busy with existing product lines. And so that's where, as I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, I've got, you know, some different things in the works that I really will hope will open a lot of doors and enable us to do a, a, a lot more of that stuff. And I mean, there, there's, there's a laundry list of stuff <laughs> that I would uh, love, love to get to. 
And uh, I, I think we're super close to being able to do that. So all I, all I can say is stay tuned um, as we get close on some of that stuff. And hopefully, hopefully here sooner than later, you'll see some of that stuff start coming out. Awesome. Awesome. We'll be on the lookout for that. All right. Last one for you, buddy. Is it true that the Final Rise vest fills with birds faster than all other brands? <laughs> that was from the hippie uplander I, I don't know if you know him or not but <laughs> I, I know you be very well <laughs> no he's he, he's a stud i the, there's there's plenty of guys i know that wear them that man they're damn good bird hunters and they've got great dogs and uh they just they just do a really really good job so man it's just it's we're just fortunate to have a lot of support and grateful for the guys that are out there and you know I've, I've kind of always said this like the hunting space is known for you know pro staffs and shooting groups and different things like that yeah. and i've always just told folks like i want people to you know want to use our product because they genuinely believe that it's the best product for them yeah and my job is to make sure that we are empowering the consumer and the customer and putting out as much educational information as possible for them to make that decision. And at the end of the day, I'm okay if my product isn't the best product for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like our, our kind of our mission as a company is to ensure a successful future for the wing shooting community. And that boils down to people being able to go out and have a good time. And that's okay if somebody finds somebody else's product and it enables them to do that because the entire Upland community has to be okay. People need to be excited about the sport. My goal is that people are going out and enjoying what they're doing. And as long as, as everybody's doing that, I'll get to keep doing this work that I love so much. So I'm, I'm all about that. Right on, dude. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for sa- taking some extra time here on the listener questions. And that is a wrap for those. Uh, so we'll end it there. Matt, thank you for joining us once again on the Birdshot Podcast. I want to thank you personally and everybody at Final Rise for your continued support of the Birdshot Podcast. Listeners will be appreciative of that. You've been uh, you've been a key partner for me, and I can't thank you enough. And just want you to keep up the great work, brother. Hey, I, I appreciate it, Nick. E- equally, and right back at you, man. Love everything you're about. Love the authenticity, the just the the genuine person that you are, and the value that you bring to the Upland community. And it's just you know, life's too short to work with people you don't like. So I'm just grateful to support good people doing good stuff. So thanks for letting us be a part of the journey. Appreciate it, buddy. Finalrise.com at finalrise on Instagram. Folks can find you pretty easily, right? That's right. We keep it simple. All right, buddy. Hang on with me for just a second. And for the listeners, that does it for this episode of the Bird Shop Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Birdshot Podcast presented by Onyx Hunt, Final Rise, and Upland Gun Company. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. And if you really love the show and want to contribute above and beyond what you already do by listening, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash birdshot. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Birdshot Podcast. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app. Join millions of other hunters who trust Onyx Hunt to find more game, discover new access, and hunt smarter. Onyx Hunt shows you nationwide public and private land boundaries. They've got topographic and 3D maps. You can track your route, location, and elevation profile. You can save maps for offline use and take Onyx Hunt with you wherever you go. The most comprehensive hunting tool you'll own 
Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your next Onyx Hunt subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gundog It Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes.